What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 21 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful Banff, Alberta, and just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham, the Derminator. How's it going today, my friend? Uh, not too bad, I guess. You know, been better. A little, little sore after a weekend-long hockey tournament there. Unfortunately, couldn't get the dub either, so it just, just sucked. Yeah, speaking of soreness, it looks like your hand's all wrapped up like a tortilla right now, bud. What's going on with that? Oh, yeah, I broke my thumb halfway through the tournament, too. And so then, I mean, I already paid, so I just played the rest of it. Mm, four more games with that. Popped a couple Genos. But we, like I said, we lost, so it all was for nothing. Yeah, like a true hockey player playing through the injuries. Durham, I must admit, I'm proud of you for doing it. Hey, Is it smart? Canadian. Maybe no. not. Is it worth it? Didn't get the win? Questionable. I know. Now I got to go meet with a surgeon, too. And they're like, mm, probably shouldn't have played four more games with it. And I'm like, yeah, but like I said, I already paid. So. Yeah, it's tough, play. right? What What do you do there? What do you do there? But uh you know, it's a good cause, that tournament, and uh, why don't you tell us about that for a second here? Uh, just a tournament run in town here by a buddy of mine, Kelsey Van Wyman, called Slash the Stigma. So we get about 16 teams, second year going now, and back-to-back years, everything goes to charity, Canadian Mental Health Association, and uh, I think it's about 60K now that it's been donated over two years, so fuck yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive stuff right there. And just shout out to Kelsey Van Weimer and for uh, you know creating that tournament. And and now it's already two years in, and obviously has been very very successful already, hitting sixty k in donations towards uh, Canadian mental health, which is a huge huge part of life these days, right? And and something we all need to take care of. So shout out to him. That's pretty awesome, Durham. It's beautiful out here in Banff, Alberta. I can't wait to you know head downtown later get a couple drinks head back here put the cracking game on because they're facing off against the dallas stars for the third time this season and of course the last two games haven't really went the cracking way so hopefully getting a big win in that game tonight but durham will get into that a little bit later on in the episode first off let's talk about the last two games the kraken did play yeah, let's start with the the OT game against the San Jose Sharks there. I mean, Group Hour put on a pretty good show. And I mean, let's be fair, both goalies played pretty well in that one. We'll give it to them. They kept it down to a 2-1 game. And holy shit, it was kind of boring for the first two periods. Eh? Not a lot going on. Just two power plays for both teams. No one's going to score a goal till the third, too. Yeah, uh, not going to lie. It was quite boring. And a little bit on the disappointing side, I must admit, you know, after the week the Kraken had before this past week of games they played here, uh, you really thought coming into a matchup against the San Jose Sharks that they'd be able to put some big goals up on the board and maybe really find their offense. And that just did not happen in this game. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, you're only going to get two on, I think it was 32 shots. I think both teams had 32, if I'm remembering correctly, which is that odd. is I mean, correct. You never see that often. But William Eklund's going to get started in the third period there on something else you don't see too often, a penalty shot for his second goal of his career, too. So that's kind of neat for the kid. 
Yeah, I was just able to beat Grubauer five hole there on a nice little deke. And William Eklund, uh, as we know, who's drafted in uh, what seventh overall in the 2021 draft. He's a very, very highly skilled player who uh, is going to put up a lot of points in his career, finding just a second of his career, though, on the penalty shot. So uh, that would open the scoring in the third period, Darrow. Yeah, and then keeping with the scoring in the third period, obviously Kraken making it a 2-1 game. We know the score at the end of here, but ought to score the first one first to get to two, right? And Oliver Bjorkstrand on the beautiful stretch pass from Gord. He's going to walk in all alone and just snap it right in the top corner. I mean, what a gorgeous goal by Bjorkstrand. Just to pop it top shelf over the glove of James Reimer, but you cannot not talk about that pass from Yanni Gord, a hundred foot pass right to the stick of Bjorkstrand to give him the breakaway to score his 15th. That was a thing of beauty. Yeah, that was just calm, cool, and collected. And just like you said, right on the tape for Bjorkstrand, all the time in the world to walk in there and just flick of the wrist and back of the net. Yep. And like we said, this game would go to overtime and the only shot in overtime comes off the stick of guess who else Vince Dunn baby that 13th goal already for him pretty wild extends the point streak and the Kraken are able to pick up the two points in a game that was otherwise not very entertaining I mean how many games can you talk about that go two minutes into three on three overtime without a shot that's not very entertaining That kind of summed up the type of game it was, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about OT, and there's talk in the NHL of extending it to about seven or eight minutes to try and get rid of the shootout a little bit more. But man, if we're going to have a couple more minutes of teams just fuck around with a puck trying to get that one perfect opportunity without giving anything up, no thanks. Give me the three-on-three when it first started. Let's go. Yeah, it's funny, right? Some teams really push for that uh, that goal right away, but you watch some of these OTs, and it's it's very much a puck possession type of game. Oh, we're going to break it in. What, can we find anything? No. Oh, we're passing it back out. We're keeping possession. We're going to change. We're going to cycle. We'll even pass it back to our goaltender, but God forbid we push for that goal. Right? I mean, why would you want to be daring and offensive? Not offensive. Yeah offensive exactly but in all due respect the kraken do pick up the two points against the san jose sharks and they move on to the matchup on saturday that we were all anticipating durham the big matchup versus edmonton yeah and i mean if you look at it just a couple stats you're probably thinking pretty good game just looking at the scoreboard back and forth six four lots of goals i know i would have loved it but if you're gonna have a game where you tell me both goalies are going to play and they're both going to get scored on the first shot they face. Fuck. That does not sound like a good night. No. And it definitely wasn't the outcome that we looked for or wanted to happen. Of course, Edmonton winning this one six to four and Durham, I was pretty disappointed because I did not realize this game was a two o'clock start my time. So Poor me, I was at work, didn't get the chance to see any of the game, had to watch the highlights later that night, but 
Uh, gotta admit that was a little uh, gut wrenching to see that Grubauer was not in the net, and it didn't have to do with being pulled too. That gave me a bit of a scare there. Yeah, he's actually gonna leave the game injured, and that's gonna be the last we're gonna see a Grubauer for a little bit. Apparently, I mean, spoiler alert for a little bit later here, but Kraken news—they called up Joey Decord, and uh, he's actually gonna start tonight against Dallas too. Yeah, no kidding, and. You know, they released it that it was an injury. And then later on, they said it was actually due to a non-COVID illness that he left the game. But obviously, days later, he's still struggling with that. So, um, you know, it's not good to see that. But, you know, at least it doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-term thing where this team is going to be out of their starting goaltender for the long haul, which is really good news. But like you said, um, obviously, he's not quite ready because uh we finally get joey dak back between the pipes tonight but let's uh talk more about this game against the oilers here yeah you're gonna get a vander kane starting the scoring for edmonton like we said on his first well the team's first shot of the game just a minute and a half in he's gonna be found all alone in the middle of the ice there and let a quick snapper go and it's gonna find its way five hole yeah, and then you'd get a, a bit of a, a weird play there, a couple weird bounces where uh, it ends up getting on the stick of Jaden Schwartz, and he pops in goal number 17. That would tie this game up. Yeah, just a nice little back pass from Beneers to Dunn there for that quick shot to get it to the net, eh? That was, that was pretty slick. It was, yeah. It was a sneaky little playoff, uh, what seemed to be like a bit of a bouncing around puck there. So great job just to get the Kraken back on the board in this game. But unfortunately, 1-1 is going to be the pretty much the closest they're going to get to winning this game as Kaylor Yamamoto is going to have his ninth of the season on a little tap-in out front from Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, back in his hometown, basically. I mean, home state. Kaylor Yamamoto, of course, uh, coming from the area around Seattle. So a bit of a homecoming for him. Yeah, he played junior for Spokane too, didn't he? He did, yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he kind of goes back to those roots. You're right. He played junior and spoke in as well. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty neat to see that. Obviously, wasn't that neat that he scored against the Kraken, though. You know what else wasn't neat? If you thought Evander Kane's minute and a half into the period goal was fast, well, he's going to cut that in half to start the second period, and he's going to get his 12th of the season just 43 seconds in yikes yeah assisted by who else but mcdaddy mcdaddy i know dude there's just guys just tearing it up but uh that wouldn't be the end though for the kraken because they would keep pushing to in the second period and uh shortly after jordan eberly kind of picks up a play fumbles the puck but is able to kind of spin and maneuver it back onto his stick while deking out the defenseman and letting one rip against the team he was drafted by yeah, just an unbelievable move. Move. I mean, like we've said for Everly all year, he's just been feeling it. And to bury that 16th against the team that drafted him, just looking smooth doing it too. Exactly. And I believe it was, uh, what, just right around that time when Grubauer left the game, I believe? Was it uh, kind of right in the middle of the game there? Yeah, he only allowed three on, I think it was 10 shots. Yeah, three three on 10 shots, and then that was going to be it. So the next one here, Zach Hyman's 30th of the year, the first time he hits that marker, it's going to be unfortunately against Martin Jones. And like I said earlier, that's going to be Jonesy's first shot against this game. Yeah, not that great when both goalies come in and let in the first 
shot of the game against them. Uh, but again, we would have the Seattle Kraken answer. Yeah, baby. Oliver Bjorkstrand. We talked about him being an inconsistent guy, kind of streaky. Well, he's streaking, baby, and he's streaking so hot right now. It's his 16th of the year as well. Yeah, dude, he's streaking in all the right directions right now. And like we talked about it, it's unbelievable that this guy had four goals coming into 2023. And, and the fact that he's very close to being a 20-goal scorer just, just shows just how much he has come along with this team. And he's finally really getting comfortable in there. Yeah, you can see he's really starting to hit his stride and find where to be in the soft spots for his teammates. And like we said, building chemistry there and getting real comfortable. And I think that's what... 14 or 12 goals now since January. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, it kind of goes to waste a bit in this game because, of course, Evander Kane would come down, rip another shot top shelf and, and bury his third goal of the game, giving him the hat trick. And at that point, this game was pretty much all but over, especially after McDavid, which is a few minutes left in the game. Uh, Barry's one on the power play on a goal that almost looks like Martin Jones was giving up on. Yeah, that's one where unfortunately, like maybe that's the reason, to be honest, why he's not getting the start tonight. He kind of threw it away and said, fuck it. Yeah, he kind of looked a little unmotivated on that play, if I must admit. And uh, it's just it's just unfortunate because he really, really helped this team early on and, and helped put them in the position where they are today in this playoff spot in the wild card and to see you know the start of the season to where he's at now it's such a dramatic change right like i mean sure we're yeah if you want to talk about the rest of the game tolvin and got a garbage goal in the last 45 seconds whatever that doesn't matter but back to jonesy i mean like you said we're talking about a guy who just a month ago was third in the nhl in wins with 23 i think at the point at that point in time and now when groove hour goes down the trust is so down in Jones where they're going to play the guy they're calling up as an emergency call up, not just to put him on the bench in case Jonesy gets hurt, but Jones is going to watch this kid. I don't know. Yeah. And it's not against a, you know, an easy opponent. This is the Dallas stars, a team who just beat you twice, you know, in the last two outings, uh, what, 10 days ago and seven days ago or whatever the breakdown is of when those games taken place. Right. So, uh, you know, this is an opponent who, uh, is at the top of their game right now. They're hot. They're seven and three in their last 10. And they'd rather have the confidence to go with, uh, you know, Joy Decord in net right now. So that kind of speaks to the volume of, you know, what maybe Hackstall thinks of Martin Jones's game and where it's at right now. The only thing that might like kind of go the other way with the narrative we're going on right here is you are bringing up the good points of they just played Dallas seven or seven and 10 days ago. And it was Martin Jones actually that played the last game against Dallas when they lost 5-2. So maybe they're just thinking, hey, you know what? He didn't have it that game. Didn't really have it last night against Edmonton. Dallas just saw him last week. Let's give him someone they haven't seen yet. Go with the court. I like it. I like that narrative too. That's exactly the direction that uh, maybe they're going with instead of saying, hey, maybe they, it's not like they've lost the trust. They just feel like let's put a new uh, new goaltender in net for Dallas who they haven't seen yet, right? Third time's a charm. Third goalie's a charm. So let's exactly. see. What do you expect for tonight's matchup here based on the last two games they played against the Dallas Stars? Well, 
if we're going to base it on the last two games, I'm expecting the Stars to score four, maybe five goals. But I'm hoping Seattle's able to match that output. You know, maybe they rally around Decord getting the call up and, you know, having the younger kid in net. And they really have a strong defensive game for him. But at the same time, Dallas has been flying lately. Like you said, seven and three in their last 10. Freaking Heiskanen has a point in every one of those 10 games. And oh man, he's just flying right now. Yeah, he's building on his own point streak right now. And he's got 10 in his last five games, which makes him the hottest Dallas Stars player currently right now. Yeah, he's just been an animal for them. I mean, they've really let him grow into his own with letting Klingberg go, and that's obviously been a benefit to this team. They've gotten better by getting rid of the guy who was kind of running their power play at the start of last year. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, what kind of things do they have to – what kind of adjustments do you think they're going to have to make um, to in order to win against Dallas this game? I know that first matchup was really close – they kind of lost it a little bit with Jones and Nett with that 5-2 loss uh, in that second matchup. But now we're in that third matchup here, and uh, this is where you really are able to go back to you know the video and see what, what do we need to do in order to really win this game. Is it an effort thing? Is it uh, you know tweaking the lines a bit? Is it tweaking uh, some of the penalty kill or power play? What's, what's it, got it, it going to take, Durham? I think what you're going to have to try and do to Dallas is you've got to up the pressure in the D zone. Like if you look at the last couple plays, sure. They got maybe the extra whack or two around the net. And to be honest, the stars just are physically bigger up front than we are on the back end. We've got maybe Alexiak and Larson that could really make that a good battle. But at the same time, Jamie Ben's a fucking animal. There's very few people in the league that are going to move him around from the front of the net. But what we're looking at trying to stop away is make them less effective at getting the puck from the perimeter to the guys in the front of the net, right? So let's up the pressure on them, take their time and space away and cause them to turn the puck over and try and bring it up ice quickly. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, play to your strengths if you're the Seattle Kraken in tonight's game. You know, get back to just rolling the lines five on five and, and being comfortable with that, even if it's on the road, because you're facing off against a Dallas team who is so strong on the power play. They come in eighth in the NHL and penalty kill. They come in fifth in the NHL. So they're top in that category. And, you know, if you're pressuring, like you said, that's going to cause those turnovers and expect the Dallas Stars to have possession of that puck a lot tonight, obviously coming in with the best faceoff percentage in the NHL versus the 31st, second last Seattle Kraken in that category. So like you said, I think just pressuring like that and uh, doing it five on five to your best of your capabilities there. And uh, you might get some pretty good results tonight. Yeah, I think at the, I think at this point everyone should know the Kraken need to play five on five. Their power plays too inconsistent, and their penalty kill. I guess their penalty kill does do well, but you never want to be the team that's shorthanded. So let's just exactly. not do it. Exactly. Great call. And Durham, I don't know why I'm throwing this out there, but I I forgot that Pete DeBoer was coaching this Dallas team. Fuck. This is a head coach who just always finds success. Whatever he's doing as a head coach seems to work because every place he goes, he seems to be able to bring a team uh, into playoff 
status and uh yeah have a team playing really well together as like it's it's very impressive what uh deborah has done so quietly as an nhl head coach and he's had a couple deep runs too people forget he's been to the finals twice as a head coach obviously he hasn't won it yet he had new jersey in 2012 and san jose four years later but yeah so yeah had a good run run. Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So another test to where to see where, you know, Seattle matches up against another really, really good team like the Dallas Stars. And surprisingly enough, these both teams, it's not like they're that far up. I mean, uh, both coming into tonight's matchup with 38 wins on the board. So you look at it that way. You know, this should be a really close battle. It's going to be, you know, how how is Joey Decord feeling in that? How is he looking? Can he stop that first shot of the game and uh, feel comfortable after that and really give him to, give his team a chance to come out with a victory tonight? Because Seattle has to try to find some more goal scoring here. Yeah, you don't think the two and three goals are enough anymore? No, it's just not getting it done. And if you expect to really solidify your playoff chances, you're going to have to find a way to get it done against a Nashville team when you go into their barn and go back-to-back starting Thursday, March 23rd, and Saturday, March 25th, Durham. Yeah, like you said, these two get these yeah, these two games can end Nashville's chances of a playoff push here. And honestly... If the Kraken decide to go another week where they only take half the possible points and win two out of four games, it's got to be these two. Well, I mean, it doesn't got to be, but it's best to have it be these two. Nashville's been, you know, giving their youth a real chance to show what they've got. And they've been doing pretty good, actually. They've been, since the trade deadline, been playing respectable hockey, gained a few spots in the standings. They're only a few points behind Winnipeg. I think they're five points behind with three games in hand. And Winnipeg's not that far behind Seattle. So this is a team you have an opportunity to stomp on. Yeah, exactly. A big opportunity. And uh, this Nashville team, like you said, they really just snuck into giving themselves a chance to kind of make some noise. And I don't think anyone really expected that to happen, especially they moved on from Matthias Ekholm, you know, making other changes like that. But like you said, the emergence of some of their young core that they're going to be building around that Philip Tomasino, the Thomas Novak, or sorry, no, is it Thomas Novak? It's I think Tommy. That's what they Tommy had on uh, online there. And I thought, okay, yeah, I yeah, thought the Tommy same thing. Novak. I was like, what? What is he, a server? Yeah. <laughs> Tommy. But he's been really impressive, almost like a point-of-game guy since being called up too. So kind of coming out of nowhere. And yeah, these young guys have really kind of led the way for the Nashville Predators lately. And this is a team that is playing really well, uh, structured defensive hockey. So uh, they do a really good job of, keeping the puck out of their net. They're not so strong at scoring at this time though. And that's where the Seattle Kraken could really take advantage of this team and uh, hopefully find their scoring ways. Yeah. If you want to look at Nashville, I think it's sent over the last month or Jan- or February 13th or so till now, they've only got 49 goals. Like they're only getting 2.7 goals a game. So, like you said, they're not putting the puck in the net. So this is going to be an opportunity for Seattle to get back on track, getting back to their four goals a game. Yeah, and if I had to be a betting man, I would uh, probably be taking the under in these games. I can't see it being uh, too, too big of a scoring game. So, you know, 
get ready for some defensive, some defensive structured hockey coming up. Yeah. The only thing that I'm hoping happens is Nashville. I think Sunday night really shit the bed against the Rangers. They had yeah. someone the night before and they played Saros on the Saturday night. And I only know this because Saros is my fantasy goalie. And then on Sunday night, I seen he had some not very good stats. And I was like, why the fuck did they play him back to back nights? And it turns out Kevin Lankinen went in and got lit up by the Rangers there. So they threw Saros in. So maybe they're kind of still reeling. Let's hope that happens. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, that's tough. I mean, that Rangers team has been absolutely pulverizing opponents lately and putting numbers on the board. So, uh, man, that's been impressive run by them. Yeah, stupid, sexy Shesterkins just getting in front of every puck now. I know, he's just been dominant, honestly. But, uh, you know, we're talking about some defensive-style games, and uh, it's not done after they get through those two games with Nashville because – Onwards after that, they have to face off against probably I would rank them as a top two defensive team in the NHL, and that's the Minnesota Wild. Oh, baby, they've been playing some good hockey lately too, right? Excuse me, especially with Kaprizov going down to injury. I think they lost him for three or four weeks, it was. Yep, they've kind of they've lost him for a good little stretch, but uh that hasn't really affected their record a whole lot lately. No, in fact, actually over the same time frame here, the last month or so, they're second in the NHL with the fewest goals against, 37 goals against in 18 games. Rocking basically two goals against, that's pretty freaking impressive. It's very, very wild. Like 7-1 and 2 in their last 10 like that. I mean, <laughs> I was actually by accident, but I'll rock with <laughs> it. Uh, but Billy Gustafson, how about him and Nett? You know, just just been absolutely incredible and the fact that you know he's got a goals against average of 2.08 and a 929 save percentage and three shutouts uh quite the emergence from that young goaltender who was you know once a uh, prospect of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Ottawa Senators yeah exactly so play for both our teams, our teams letting go of a goalie who has now emerged uh, into a premier goalie in the NHL and uh, really making a name for himself. Of course, he's playing with a really, really well-coached team and a defensive-style structure in front of him. That certainly helps, but you got to give credit where it's due. Exactly. I mean, like you said, the guy's putting numbers up everywhere. 17 wins and 30 starts. That's pretty respectable. 929 save percentage, three shutouts. He's got a fucking assist this year. The only thing he's not done is take a penalty. Yeah, yet, right? And uh, he's a pretty calm guy, so I don't uh, expect that to be happening from him. But uh, what you might expect to happen, Durham, and I don't want to say it, but maybe a goose egg coming up in this game. If we throw it back to the last two matchups these teams have had, uh, the Kraken came away with a 4-0 victory against the Minnesota Wild back in November. And then just a week later, the Wild shoving it back down the crack in throats with a 1-0 victory of themselves. So final vic- final game coming in, uh, you know, a week, basically six days from today. So just less than a week, and we get the final matchup. Uh, what do you expect, Durham? Do you think another goose egg is up uh, upcoming? Well, I do remember someone saying to me once things tend to happen in threes. And if you subtract the goals for and against there, the Kraken are up 3 nothing. So that's what I'm going to go with for the score of that game is Seattle 3 nothing. 
I love it. Might have to put a little bit of a bet on that one, don't you think? Yeah, if you do, throw five bucks on that for me, would you? <laughs> I will. I'll put it towards uh, uh, getting that thumb fixed for you. Hey, thanks, man. Just shove a rod <laughs> in it. Kraken fans, the biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN because right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, Kraken fans, welcome back to the pod here in Durham. Uh, like we've been talking about, that final playoff push, uh, what's it really going to come down to for these other teams that are chasing uh, that final spot? And uh, with Winnipeg, too, coming up uh, just on the heels of the Kraken, you know, is there a chance for them to potentially, uh, you know, pass the Kraken for that final uh, that wild card first slot there or and push them into that second wild card spot or what do you think is going to happen i think there's absolutely a chance for any of the four teams there to like counting down to nashville to make a real push but i think the best chance is seattle's gonna end up in that first wild card spot winnipeg has been playing kind of bad lately so they're on the tail end i think they've lost four out of six games recently or something like that it's a, they've lost a lot out of their recent amount and coming up, you know, they do have a bit of a better schedule, but also Calgary's right on their heels. Nashville, like we said, is there playing against Seattle twice this week. But if you look at it down the stretch, Nashville's got a little bit tougher schedule. I think one of the toughest in the NHL, Calgary and Seattle have some of the easiest and then Winnipeg's in the middle there, but it's just going to really come down to who shows up. Cause once we get to the last couple weeks of the season here, that's always uh, going back to the betting man there. That's always where you seem to get the teams that are carefree and testing their young guys win the games. You wouldn't really expect them to. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Uh, it happens so often, especially in the final stretch of those games, you start to see these teams that are, um, you know, you think they're out of it. Uh, you know, they're, they're far down in the standings, but all of a sudden they, they usually have some of these pushes where, uh, they have pretty good records down the stretch, and I think they're playing a little just like stress-free hockey. And like you said, letting some of those young guys come up and perform. And obviously, when you're getting those opportunities, you're super motivated at those times versus uh, some of the playoff teams who are kind of just looking ahead, ready and focused for uh, the playoff push. And, you know, don't expect the type of effort maybe that uh, you'd get out of some of these bottom teams. So things get a little bit weird in those last couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. So that's where you start kind of considering like, oh yeah, sure. Seattle and Calgary have the easiest strength of schedule, but like we just talked about, that might not exactly be what's going on here, especially when we talk about Boston. 
Like, I think it was Montgomery three weeks ago said he was already looking at starting to rest guys like Bergeron and Marchand and McAvoy and get them ready for playoffs. Krejci for sure. Yeah, I think Boston just had a back-to-back where they just sat Krejci just for rest. See, so that's already starting to leak in. And I don't know, this could be pretty interesting down the stretch. Exactly. It it very well could be, right? So it makes things quite interesting, even though you could look at all the data and look at all the matchups. But at the end of the day, it's whoever wants to win that game the most usually is going to come away with that uh, that win. Yeah, and being so tight, I like to – I know everyone always talks about like, oh, sure, they've got this many points spread or these guys have game in hand. But when you get to about 15 games left, I'm very much just it's exactly what you've got. I don't care about games in hand. You got to go out and you got to take your points each night. It doesn't matter till they're yours. Exactly. And uh, that's what the Kraken need to be doing uh, for them, because looking at them, uh, you know, 69 games played so far, obviously they have a bit of a, um, you know, an upper hand on, on teams like Winnipeg and Calgary, but then Nashville, just 68 games in hand. And I think that's where uh, the two, the two matchups are just so huge that are coming up later this week. So I'm really, really excited for that. But other than that, there's, there's another team in it, right? It's just these four teams battling and um, it's crazy. The kind of push that Los Angeles and, and Edmonton have made recently and kind of, you know, made some, uh, made some strides to, to give them some breathing room in those top three positions of the Pacific. But uh, I wouldn't count uh, the Seattle Kraken out from, from potentially passing that Edmonton team still. Exactly. I think if there's a team they've got a chance with, it's Edmonton. I don't think it's a very good chance, but it is a chance. And LA, well, like you said, they've just been on a whole nother level lately. 8-0-2 in their last 10. I mean, how the hell do you not have a regulation loss? And they're just steamrolling people, too. I think it was Calgary they beat up like 8-2 last night. Yeah, I mean, all top three, you know, you look at the Central and the Pacific, all three of those teams, Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, who solidify the first three spots in that division, and then the Pacific, Vegas, Los Angeles, and Edmonton. You look at all their last 10 games played, and it's either seven or eight. So seven wins for Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota in their last 10, and eight wins for Vegas, LA, and Edmonton in their last 10. So all those teams have been extremely hot as of late. Yeah, it's tough to really catch anyone when you look at that and they've got win streaks of four and six and like, what the fuck? Yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting final stretch here for sure. Um, But moving on, we've got a bit of cracking news here, Durham. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, just touched on a little bit and maybe a little bit more than a little bit. We touched on it a medium bit. Joey Decord's been called up on an emergency basis. So for for what that means, those of you that don't know, is after the NHL trade deadline, Every team is only allowed four regular call-ups from their AHL squad. And in order to be called up from their AHL squad, they have to be on that team's roster when the trade deadline passes. So that's why you see a bunch of teams do paper transactions. They'll call them and send guys down on waivers or whatever right before the trade deadline and then call them up a few hours later. And being an emergency basis means the Kraken haven't wasted one of those four call-ups. Yeah, and I think that was just an important part of that that uh, we wanted to mention. Just uh, 
it kind of, you know, clears the air on some of it. And uh, yeah, it's just good, good information to know. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm told I could totally be wrong on this, but I want to say it's the first time they've used it post deadline. An emergency yeah. call up. Yeah, I, we haven't seen one yet. So this is the first one. Of course, they've made some other call-ups, uh, some you know other players that have been playing in the AHL, John Hayden uh, being one of them, Froden being one of them. Uh, so they're, they're making moves, but uh, this one's the first emergency call-up. And uh, like we said, we're a pro Joey podcast here. Uh, you know, excited to see how he can perform against a really tough Dallas, Star, Dallas Stars team who is uh, shooting on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I mean, Joey Dak's been playing well in the A the last little bit. I mean, 9.43 save percentage in his last six games. So if he can bring that, I like their odds tonight. Yeah, he's been absolutely on fire, we could say, with the Coachella Valley Firebirds. God, I'm just fumbling my words today. I should have maybe had a couple more tees this morning, Durham. But excited to see tonight's game. And that wasn't all the news the Kraken have been making uh, as they put pen to paper just just earlier on today durham when they signed uh 2021 fourth rounder 99th overall pick of the 2021 draft and that's Vili ottavinen yeah the Finnish defenseman that we were talking about the defensive d got some good time in the league of the last year and a half two years and he signed certain contract for next season, which means we're not going to be seeing him come over to Coachella Valley this year unless they announce that they've signed him to an ATO or it's, it's not a P, no, PTO's NHL, ATO's AHL. So that just means True. an amateur yep. tryout agreement. Yeah, exactly. So uh, unless we get news, we probably won't see him in the lineup. But yeah, expectations for sure that he will be uh, on that Coachella Valley team next season. And I don't see why not. You've already got two years of pro hockey under your belt in Finland's top pro league. Uh, And he's only, what, just 20 years old still. Doesn't turn 21 until August 12th. So this is still a very young prospect who has so much to mature and, and develop and the fact that i think he was drafted when he was drafted durham i think he was six four and he's already up to now being six five hundred uh or 216 pounds so just a huge right shot defenseman here yeah do you think he, they bring him in and kind of have alexiak teach him how to play and how to use that frame effectively and jumping up into the rush and be a good defensive defender I mean, I think that's the perfect scenario, right? To hopefully learn from a guy like the big rig of how to play a great defensive hockey in the NHL, because this is the, this is the strength to his game. You're not uh, bringing in a guy who's going to be putting up the points. You're bringing in a guy who is going to be hard to play against who You're probably going to throw on your penalty kill and you're going to, you know, probably have him as more of like your bottom you know, four to six style defenseman. So uh, that's what you would expect from a guy like Viliata Vinen. Really good defensively. Um, probably relies on his partner to do more of the breaking out with the with uh, the puck there. So this is a guy who you know don't expect a lot of points, but give him credit. I mean, five goals, eleven assists for sixteen points in fifty four games. That's still not bad. He's still able to put up those goals. Obviously, he has a bomb from the point or else he wouldn't be putting up 11 goals the last two years. 
Yeah, he's got to have respectable puck skills, obviously, to make it in a pro league anywhere. I mean, you can't just be a slap chop out there hacking the puck to pieces, even though you're a defensive monster. You got to be able to, like you say, pass the puck, have a good first breakout pass, and get the puck going north. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, very excited to see that signing, and uh, yeah, to see what uh, what he brings to the table next season, baby. Yeah, and it is nice to point out too, like, I mean, like you said, he's not putting up a whole lot of points, but he is third on his team in D points. So he is putting up a respectable amount there, obviously getting a lot of ice time on the PK. And that's what we're going to be looking for when he comes to Coachella next season. Yeah, very true. And I get, I guess you have to keep in mind that, you know, the Finnish league is a league where it's, it's very similar to North American style, but uh, it's not the the goal scoring isn't isn't quite there though. So this is a league that you don't expect a lot of the points to be coming from. They don't have a lot of guys probably over a point a game right now. Yeah, I don't think they have too too many over there in the league. Yeah, it's a very it's a North American, but they play a hard nosed style game, very respectable style game for sure. Um, so just something to keep in mind as well. But uh, Durham, we got a pretty interesting stat of the week pretty crazy if you ask me why don't you hit the fans with it this is a neat one that i actually saw like i'm not kidding four hours ago so probably like three hours before we started recording the podcast tonight's game of dallas versus seattle will be the first game in nhl history with two defensemen both rocking a double digit point streak going into the game tonight so thank you for that to Miro Heiskanen, yeah, whatever, fuck off. And, of course, Vince Dunn, baby. That is just unbelievable. To think this is the first time in NHL history you got two defensemen rocking those kind of point streaks going head-to-head tonight. Like, you know, let's, you know, you're looking back and you're thinking about all the great offensive defensemen who have put up some tremendous amount of points, and you think not once have two of them collided while being that hot like it's 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 crazy but it's true like how did it not happen at least three times in the 80s and how could anyone guess that it would be Miro Heiskanen and Vince Dunn I mean we're talking about two defensemen who uh have never hit 60 points in their career right like talk about an interesting trivia tidbit that's just gonna screw so many people over oh big time I mean it's just it's just wild to even think about, to be honest. I mean, Vince Dunn will be a 60-point guy this year, no doubt about it. I mean, sitting on 57 points. You know, he's going to hit it by the end of the week is my prediction. But um, just to think of just how wild of a stat that is, it's, uh, yeah, I, it's hard to even wrap your head around, really. I know. I just sit there and read it, and then I was like, okay, scrolled down a couple, and I went back up, and I'm like, what the hell? And I read it again, yeah. and I'm like, what? And then I read it one more time just to be sure. And then I was like, wow, that, yeah, I know it is pretty wild, but it's pretty cool because it's the first time that both these defensemen will hit 60 points in their career. Uh, and they're, uh, getting it done. So (laughs) it's pretty impressive, impressive, impressive. Uh, and, uh, Durham, what about player of the week? Who do we got? Now I'm sure you're thinking, Oh, they're going to hit me with Vince Dunn again. Wrong. We're not going newcomer. Exactly. And who's it going to be? But Oliver Bjorkstrand. Come on down, baby. Because in two games last week, he came alive with two goals and an assist. 
all at even strength, and he also recorded points in both games. Go Oli! Yeah, we were pumping his tires of how much he's really coming along and uh, finally getting player of the week. Uh, very impressive. So congrats to Oliver Bjorkstrand for being our player of the week. Uh, and hopefully he continues that trend tonight against the Dallas Stars. What about a final prediction of score here, Durham? What do you got? Ooh, for tonight's game? Hmm, I'll go 4-2 Seattle. I am going to go 5-4 in overtime. I think it's going to be a battle, high scoring, lots happening, action packed. Uh that's what I'm going with baby, so let's see. Uh let's see a big victory tonight. Let's make it happen. Third time's a charm against the Dallas Stars. Third goalie's the charm, baby. Let's go Joey Dak. Let's go. And uh, that will wrap up episode number 21. So thank you everybody for tuning in and make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it and stay tuned for episode number 22 when hopefully we talk about some big, big cracking victories and hopefully them solidifying their playoff chances, baby. So let's get the puck out of here, Durham. Cheers, everybody. Peace out.